All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Brian Wells, and I'm joined by Corey Novotny and Benjamin Carlson. Today's main topic is the NFL Conference Championship Games, as the New Orleans Saints are set to host the LA Rams in the NFC, while the New England Patriots travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs in the AFC. In the quick hitter segment, we'll break down Kyler Murray's decision to declare for the NFL Draft. Later in the episode, we say goodbye old friend to now-retired NHL winger Rick Nash and learn more about longtime Oklahoma City Thunder 12th man Nick Collison and WikiGeeks. Finally, we'll wrap up the show with our top five uh, dream-related things in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. So with that, let's get started. get things started by talking about the NFL playoffs. Specifically this week, we have the conference championship games. So before we get into those matchups, let's catch everyone up. We've been doing a little friendly competition among the three of us where we've been predicting the uh, scores and winners of every postseason game to this point. So friendly, so, so friendly. No one's, no one's really <laughs> trying that hard, right, guys? No, this is just no. for, for for goofs, you know? We're just having a, a giggle. This is for exactly. all the money. I'm betting my <laughs> my house on this, yes. Um, and and ben, ben certainly is not, as he's uh, currently in third place, uh, where he began last week with five points, while Brian and I are tied for first with 11. Um, so the, this past week, just to kind of catch everyone up on how the breakdown worked, we all got three points for picking the, or actually, excuse me, Brian and I got three points for picking the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints. Ben got two for picking the Chiefs and the Saints as he went with Dallas. All of us took the Chargers, including Patriots fan Brian, but uh, when it came down to the the actual score prediction, that gave us a couple more points here and there, and that is how Brian and I are now tied heading into this final week, or the second to final week. But we do have three points for the AFC and NFC pick that we made at the start of the playoffs. Ben and I both chose the Chiefs and the Saints. Brian took the Chargers and the Saints. So... Ben and I, if Kansas City win, have a chance to, uh, I guess in my case, pass Brian, and Ben has a chance to at least make a little bit of a run at him. So still anyone's game. And with that, let's get into our new predictions for the conference championships, starting with the NFC championship game on Fox at 3.05 Eastern time as the number one seeded New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, hosts Sean McFay and his two-seated Los Angeles Rams. I feel like we have to mention, though, how the Saints got here because uh, that was the only really good game of divisional weekend uh, was the Saints-Eagles game. And um, old St. Nick almost pulled off another miracle. Uh, but unfortunately, a stroke of bad luck from Alshon Jeffrey 
uh, had them had got, gave the Saints the win. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? If the Eagles won that game, you would have heard a similar similar rant from me, like Ben did last <laughs> week with uh, Clemson. So luckily, the Saints won that game. <laughs> I was surprised that of all four games this weekend, this was the only one that was close because I thought this would be the only game that wasn't. Uh, I expected the the Chiefs and Colts to come down to the end. I expected the Cowboys and the Rams. It was an eight-point game, but uh, I didn't expect the Rams to run wild on Dallas, and I certainly did not expect the Patriots to put up 41 points against the Chargers. But going into the game, I did not believe in Nick Foles, and at least in the first quarter, he proved me wrong with jumping up 14 to nothing but then the Saints kind of figured him out from there and scored enough points to win of course that long 11 minute drive so I I don't know what to make of New Orleans right now other than I think that when they play at home they're a tough team to beat even when they don't play at their best yeah I agree and I'm really excited about this matchup as much as I like to see upsets earlier in the playoffs you know and have these Cinderella stories we're really getting the best teams on paper matching up here and the Rams and the Saints I mean people were calling this the NFC championship from way earlier in this year Um, but I want to take a look at it uh, on where these teams are coming from uh, because I look at the uh, Saints as building a championship roster versus the Rams which is like purchasing a championship roster, uh, which obviously both teams have purchased free agents and both teams have good players that they drafted. Um, But the Rams notably went on like an arms race uh, with the NFC and, and trying to purchase the best guys. They've got Natomic and Sue, Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, Dante Fowler, Brandon Cooks. Like they had a they went on a spending spree in the offseason and saying, we're going to win right now, while Jared Goff is still cheap, while Todd Gurley is still very much in his prime, although that could last for a very long time. They went out and tried to buy it. Meanwhile, the Saints, I know Drew Brees wasn't drafted by them, but Drew Brees has been there for so long, he might as well have been drafted by the Saints. Um, Mark Ingram, another one of their draft picks. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore. Like, they have... The it's kind of a juxtaposition of like you well, not all of the key players on the Rams obviously were purchased, but a lot of them were uh, versus the Saints, which is kind of taking years to accumulate them. So I'm interested to see which one comes out on top. So this was a matchup that I had seen coming since I think when they last played in week nine, it was uh, and all season long, I thought the Rams were going to be the number one team. Uh, right until the really basically December, the final few weeks of the season. And having to go into New Orleans, I think is going to be a struggle for them. But they ran the ball so well against the Cowboys with both Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson, who they just uh, claimed as the the third team to give him a shot this season uh, in week 16, that I think that the Rams could put up a lot of points in this game without Jared Goff even doing a whole lot. And the Saints only scored 20 against a maybe not as bad as we thought, but still not very good Eagles defense. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what kind of repeat performance that um, L.A. rushing attack can have this weekend, especially against a Saints team that is you know, one of, if not the top rush defenses in the league. Uh, and Dallas was certainly considered in that boat, and they still gave up over 200 yards to them. Also, uh, to mention about this game, uh, even though uh, Gurley's all, not only is he hurt right now, but 
they also had Cooper Cup in the, the first game that they played this season when the Saints beat him 45 to 35 uh, in the Superdome. So him not losing him is also a, a big loss to their team as well. The the key to me here is really uh, that LA offense versus the New Orleans offense because that was what what we saw when these last two teams met in that 45 to 35 game. So if I don't think that this is the kind of game where it's going to be like 17 to 10 with the, these two defenses being the dominant forces. So do you guys think that, you know, Drew Brees has after a, a little cooling down uh, after a, an MVP type start to the season, do you think he has another 45 point game in him this weekend? And do you think Jared Goff has another 35 point game in him? Yeah, I think both these offenses have the potential to go off. Uh, Even the Rams being away in the Superdome, it's a very hostile environment. Um, I still think that, for me, it's going to, what I'm hoping for in this game, which I think it has the potential to be, is a game where the few vital stops that you get end up determining the game in a game where the offenses are just going to drive up and down the field. Um, Like, I'm going to throw it back to... Goodness, I don't remember what week it was, but that the greatest Monday night football game I've ever seen that happened this year, uh, where we had over a hundred. It was over a hundred combined points, right? Yeah, hundred five. Hundred five. Yeah, and that brand of football, uh, and I think that's what the NFL wants more games to be like. The way that we've you know changed rules, and yeah, I know it's for player safety, but really it's just making defense harder to play uh, and making it easier to play offense. So. These are the teams that have shown this season. These are top four offenses. You have to think the scores are going to get pretty high. So I think it's going to be more about who can get those few vital stops. Uh, I I really like the way Marshawn Lattimore has been playing in the postseason. And obviously, he's one of these top like tier cornerbacks. And it's so important to have a guy like that who can close out games in the postseason. I know it's basically Al- Alshon's fault, but Marshawn did get the pick on that uh uh, that game-ending turnover for the Eagles. So uh, you know you got to have a guy who's alert and has his you know has his hands ready to make that catch. So I I think that that's the type of game we're going to see here, and who it's going to be who can get those vital stops. Yeah, that was his second pick of the game. Uh, Lattimore, he's really the the reason why the Saints have been so great is because of that 2017 draft class they had that featured Lattimore and Kamara uh, at the top. So. In terms of NFC Championship games, this is the third time that we've seen Drew Brees on this stage. And the last time was in 2009. And that was one of the most exciting NFC Championship games we've seen in a while when uh, you had Drew Brees going up against Brett Favre on his last legs in Minnesota, coming down to overtime. Of course, Favre threw that that fateful pick and the Saints won on a game-winning field goal. Going back before that, 2006, the Saints and the Bears in Chicago. That was a game where uh, the Saints kept it close for a while, but the fourth quarter, the Bears' defense wound up turning into a bit of a route. So that was was that Rex Grossman. That was Rex Grossman. Sexy Rexy, yes. dude. I mean, the only quarterback capable of beating Drew Brees in the NFC Championship. Yeah, I, he's <laughs> <laughs> he is the only one who has done it. Uh, on the flip side, this is the first time that we're seeing the Rams in an NFC Championship game since they went to the Super Bowl back in 2001. So uh, not only do we have this super exciting game, but we have teams that we're not used to seeing on this stage. So uh, I think that 
this this has the potential to be a very exciting game. Like you said, Ben, could could be another high scoring shootout, and that's something that uh, we would all love to see. Well, yeah, especially if it's competitive, because I've been pretty disappointed so far with the playoffs as far as competitive games go. We've, they've been few and far between. Yeah, that Patriots Chargers game was definitely a joke. Uh, I definitely, um, I don't regret saying that the Chargers uh, were the more uh, balanced and talented team over the Patriots. But if there's one thing I do regret, I do regret saying that the coaching matchup wouldn't be as big of a mismatch um, as it turned out to be. Uh, Sony Michelle uh, ran all over that Chargers defense, and they made no adjustments in that game whatsoever. Yeah, it was super surprising. I'm really disappointed for Philip Rivers because I felt like this was a really good year for them, and it, you know, obviously results didn't match that. Yeah, I'm not a Philip uh, Rivers like hater or a big fan of him, but he complained that entire game. That game was over by the first quarter, and all he did was complain to the refs about every single, every single uh, missed call or right call that he just didn't get. But I'm sure right, he so, didn't say any cuss words. <laughs> he was complaining, but it was all yeah, let, G-rated. Let's bring it back in here. We can get into Patriots and the Chargers shortly, but first let's make our predictions for this game. So, Ben, how about you go first? Saints versus the Rams. I think Saints uh, defend the Dome, and they advance the Super Bowl after winning 35-32. to 32. I'll go Saints 31, Rams 24. And I'm taking the Saints 38 to 28, another 10 point victory for them. So now let's talk about the AFC. We have the number one Kansas City Chiefs hosting the number two seeded New England Patriots at 640 on CBS. And I guess just to kind of continue with the conversation we had, I'm upset. Brian, that I let you convince me that the Chargers were a better football team than the Patriots and that team could actually win a playoff game in Foxborough because that game was over before it even started. And here we are with the Patriots in their eighth straight AFC championship game. And to me, the question is, was last week's game just another sign of you know the regular season is only so important to the Patriots? The playoffs is the real season? Or is that just the Patriots are great at home and they still can't win on the road where they have to go this week when they head to one of the biggest home field advantages there is in football, Arrowhead Stadium? It possibly might be because um, it was the regular season and now it's the playoffs, but uh, I think it's mostly because the Patriots were at home and um, they've been terrible on the road this year. Like They've... They went three and five, and two of those teams were against the Bills and the Jets. And the one legit win on the road was against the Bears, which they almost blew on the at the last second of the game when Mitch Trubisky um, threw a hail mary pass and um, got caught at the one yard line. And um, yeah, Arrowhead and in Kansas City, it's gonna be uh, gonna be an absolutely tough game for the Patriots, I think. And I think one of the keys to stopping the Chiefs is to limit Tyreek Hill as much as much as you can. Because um, as much as I like Keenan Allen, I think Tyreek Hill is a much I think he's a much tougher matchup for Stephon Gilmore, given his given given his speed and his athleticism and how he, he can easily just take one of the house from um, you know seventy eighty plus yards and um, and then 
another thing to mention is uh, even though the Chiefs' offense relies on their speed, uh, I don't know how much that will play into this game because we have a, a game that's going to be below 10 degrees out, and um, that might favor the Patriots a little bit more. I think uh, I think the speed is an important thing. Um, if I had to predict how this game is going to go, I think the Patriots are going to go on long, like very well, really just thought out, tedious drives. You know, three yards here, five yards here, seven yards here. You know, Brady dinking and dunking down the field, taking up five to seven minutes, and then the Chiefs are going to come out there, and three plays later, Tyreek Hill is into the into the end zone, and. That's going to go on back and forth the whole time. And then by the fourth quarter, the Chiefs defense is going to be absolutely exhausted. And the Patriots defense is going to have enough energy to potentially make that stop to finally get Patrick Mahomes and and uh, and get Brady back onto the field. So honestly, if if I, I think that that would be the way that the Patriots can slow this Chiefs offense down is by forcing really it's just forcing their defense to play more than their offense because I don't really know if you can have an answer for this Chiefs offense they have too many weapons everything works for them there's like they have all the play calls with all the window dressing and uh all the whatever you want to call it just like making it look crazy and then Patrick Mahomes is seemingly uh the only well he he's not intimidated by the playoffs despite being so young and, and new to the uh, postseason. So I think if the Patriots can go on these longer drives, then that'll give them a chance to keep up. So while I think the weather can play a factor in this game, I really don't anticipate it doing so. The Chiefs played in snow flurries. Like I know it wasn't a, a blizzard, like it looked like it could have been in the morning, but that still didn't stop them from scoring 31 points. I disagree and- just because it's going to be like like below 10 maybe even like in the negative temperatures like so i know it i I did see that it it could be pretty pretty cold from that perspective which is a little different than playing in uh just snow but uh, i i think that the chiefs while they might not score 40 like they did against the patriots in the regular season uh, i still think it's going to be difficult to hold a cm under 30 because almost nobody did throughout the season and uh, even if you you kind of take away uh, some of those those uh, abilities to move the ball downfield with with a, a little colder temperature, I still think that Kansas City is going to put up the points they need to. And to me, it's going to come down more to the Chiefs' defense. And all season long, people have been very anti Kansas City defense, saying they're the worst in the league. But down the stretch, Chiefs' defense got so much better and. We saw that last week against the Colts when they held Andrew Luck to 200 yards passing and they held the Colts rushing attack to less than 100 yards. Only the second or third time all season uh, after two times in the regular season, they did that to their opponents. So to me, can they do that against this Patriots offense? Patriots have been running the ball very well lately. And Tom Brady is coming off back-to-back games where he has been able to move the ball through the air and... I think that, uh, to me, if the, the Chiefs are going to win, it's going to come down to that defense uh, not giving up those long 10-play, 75-yard drives that, that Ben is predicting. Speaking of the Chiefs' defense, they played so well that they got the coach of the best offensive line in football this season fired, dude. Uh, 
Like, I understand the NFL is the league of what have you done for me lately, but now I'm starting to feel like it's the league of what have you done for me literally this week? Because if I had to brag about any O-line that happened, that, that, that was formed this season, it would be the Colts O-line. And they had a spectacular year, but not good enough, according to uh, Coach Frank Reich, uh, sending Dave DeGuglielmo. DeGuglielmo. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Don't worry. <laughs> my, apology, my apologies to Dave. Uh, you deserve to still have that job. I'm sure he'll find another job. The NFL is a carousel of jobs. but He, he was the, the uh, Patriots uh, O-line coach during the Super Bowl 49 season. Right, and it, it, that's also what I've heard is it's not necessarily their most recent performance. It was also that he was really a... Uh, What's his name, guy? Um, Josh McDaniels guy, not Frank Reich, right? So Frank Reich wanted his own guys because of the whole uh, Josh McDaniels debacle with the Colts. So, um, you know, I guess that's definitely a part of it. But I also feel bad for the guys. Like, dang, like you, I don't know if you could have really done a better job, except maybe in that last playoff game. And Frank Reich, he's having none of it. So yeah, the Chiefs' defense can't, absolutely has a higher ceiling than I think a lot of people give them credit for, uh, especially Chris Jones, uh, who has had an amazing pass rushing season. So um, yeah, I think that's going to be super important if the uh, for them to make some plays on defense when they can. They're going to have to get to Brady. The, the Chargers couldn't do it. That was the key to their victory. So if if Chris Jones and the Kansas City pass rush can can actually get to Brady, then that'll that'll be a huge difference maker for that Chiefs defense. Well, another thing to bring up is that um, the bye week really helped the Patriots um, this past Sunday. I think uh, not only did it help Brady and his weapons, but the offensive line also looked really great. They, um, that bye week really helped. Us, really helped, and also just playing the Bills and the Jets the past you know two weeks beforehand. So they basically had a triple bye week. <laughs> yeah. So. I I guess Brian, as a Patriots fan, is were you obviously you were surprised because you predicted the Chargers would win. But coming out of that game, how what does that that do for your confidence level in the New England Patriots chances of going into Kansas City and winning this week? Uh it doesn't prove my confidence in their team that much. I guess I think they're better than uh people have given them credit for, including myself of course, but Going on the road versus one of the best teams in the league is still that still to be determined. What if if they can beat the Chiefs in that stadium on the road Sunday night, then my confidence in them winning a Super Bowl actually skyrockets. I I think that's a fair take because w- when in the season have the Patriots not won comfortably at home? It was actually they- the one game that was close at home was versus the same team against yeah. the chiefs. That was literally the only one. Like you just look back on their season. Yeah. The, the Texans game came down to seven points, but that wasn't a game that was really in doubt. They blew out the dolphins, the Colts, they more or less blew them out. Uh, the Packers game, the Vikings, everyone hyped that one up. Yeah. The Vikings, those there, they have a couple two touchdown games, but it's not like the team that lost was really ever in it. So, uh, and of course, ending the season with those wins over the Bills and the Jets. The Patriots at home, they, they've been doing that all season. The question isn't whether or not they can win a home game, whether or not they're good enough to win in Gillette Stadium, because they've literally been doing that all season long. The question is, can they go on the road where they went three and five this season? And they didn't just lose games. They lost games badly. 
And to teams that they Jackson, shouldn't be losing to, like the Lions yeah, and the Titans. Jaguars, Titans, Lions. The Dolphins. Yeah, the, been, well, the Dolphins. Yeah. Of course, that was that was a one exception to a game where yeah they they, they just blew it on the last it play, right? and blew it. At Don't the be end. so yeah. modest, Corey. We all heard you predict that play. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> predicted the win. I didn't predict. Yeah, he that predicted play, Kenyon but... Drake would run at sixty yards to the house and and Gronk, Gronk would Gronk miss would, this tackle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even even the Steelers defense, which uh, I think they're they're similar to the Chiefs defense in that they're a defense that has been quietly decent, but definitely not one of the best in the league they they held the patriots to 10 points and the only touchdown they scored was on a broken play so to me let's see them go win at arrowhead stadium in kansas city if they do that i agree with you brian i think that it's tough to predict them not to win the super bowl from there but there's a huge difference between the patriots at home and the patriots on the road and i don't think it's just the patriots in the regular season and the patriots in the playoffs i think it was just simple the patriots had a home game they had a bye week and they played like they've played all year long in that stadium. But it's Tom Brady, baby. It's Tom Brady. No one's ever done the postseason like this guy. Every time I pick against Tom Brady, I always know in the back of my head, I'm like, what are you doing? It's so obvious. He's Tom Brady with Bill Belichick as his head coach, no less. Like, I I agree. I think you make a really good case for the Patriots being much worse on the road. Uh, and to Kansas City, one of the best teams, and a pretty decent home field uh, like atmosphere. Another In the thing, back of my mind, Tom Brady. <laughs> also, well, one thing to mention: I was listening to uh, Gerard Mayo's podcast, and if you guys don't know who Gerard Mayo is, uh, he's he's uh, a former linebacker for the Patriots uh, who's now retired, and he talked about how the last game that they played in Arrowhead, which was the game where they got killed. Um, uh, the year where everyone thought Brady was done, and uh, they the said you going to start Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah, they put in Garoppolo in the yeah, fourth it was a, quarter. The game when everyone declared the Patriots done. Yeah, that was the last time they were in Kansas. City. He talked about how the grass at that specific field really, um, really hurt them in that game, and also just the fact that Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City's offense just took over that game and blew them out by four touchdowns. Yeah, it was forty-one to fourteen. I think the the grass you know, definitely didn't slow down Kansas City. <laughs> so, uh, do we have any last points we want to make, or do we want to go ahead and give our predictions? Go with predictions. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think this will be a close game, but I'll take the Chiefs twenty-six to twenty in overtime. Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm also expecting a close game. I'm not expecting both teams to break 40 like last time, but I'm going to go with Kansas City 34-27. to I am reluctantly going to pick against the Patriots again. We'll see how that works out. I've got, got to stick with my original Super Bowl prediction, and but I do believe it's going to be a shootout. I'm going with Chiefs over Patriots 42-38. to All right. <laughs> so... Second week in a row, all three of us are picking against Patriots. We'll see how that works out if, this if time. The yeah. Patriots, if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, I'm just going to pick the NFC team and just hope they win. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I mean, we're proving Brady right. After the Chargers game, he was like, you know, everyone, everyone thinks we suck. <laughs> so, oh, you know? God. 
no, no. Everyone thinks you're the fourth best team in the league. That doesn't mean you suck. Like, <laughs> Max right. Kellerman says you suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's let's move on now to our quick hitter segment, and we will be sticking with the NFL, but also talking a little baseball here because we're going to be talking about Kyler Murray, who was the Ninth overall selection by the Oakland Athletics in last year's Major League Baseball draft, deciding that he will declare for this year's NFL draft. So, Murray is an undersized quarterback who a lot of people love. We talked about him briefly a couple episodes ago, and you guys were of the mindset that he should stick with baseball, shouldn't go to the NFL. Are you still under that mindset? Uh, Me, I actually think he should do both. Um, I think short term, I think he should declare for the draft because if especially if he's a first round pick, I think that's the best way he could uh, make some make a lot of money. But then I would say after, you know, year three or four, then he can make he he makes a decision to stick with one sport. And also another thing I forgot to mention the last time we talked about Kyler Murray um, choosing football or baseball. Um, you know, I talked about Bo Jackson, um, as a great two-star athlete in those two sports. Another, another guy to mention is, uh, Jeff Samarja. Uh, I know that they don't play the same positions, so it's probably not a good comparison since, uh, the quarterback position is definitely safer than it used to be. But Jeff Samarja is a guy who went to Notre Dame as a, as a receiver and right after, right after college, he went went straight to the straight to baseball and he, even though he's had a mediocre career he's made tons of money sticking with baseball so it's probably not a good comparison because Kyle Murray's a lot better at uh football so I think you know I'm going to change my mind on that uh opinion that I think he should declare for the draft um make some money make or make a lot of money than he would doing baseball because of course he'd have to play you know, two or three years in the minors first before even making it to the majors. And then after a few years, make a decision to stick with one sport. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of have changed my opinion on this. I think that he definitely should go into the NFL draft, especially if he's going to be a first rounder, like Brian said, because he can make some big money right away uh, with, uh, you know, with the way that the rookie contracts work. He could get in there and make some decent money. And then if he's as good as, you know, we think he could be, then he could go on to make even more money or you he could figure out like most quarterbacks that he's not good enough to play in the NFL and then he could go play baseball. Uh, as far as like the injury thing, obviously baseball, you're going to play like probably longer and potentially make a lot more money over the long term. But in the short term, you can make a lot of money on a rookie contract, especially if you're in a, a first rounder, uh, especially if you go to the freaking Cardinals first overall, which I'm like, I hope happens um, for Kyler Murray. But I think that he could get the best of both worlds by doing basically doing both going to the NFL in the short term and then baseball in the long term. So he likes baseball, but he loves football. That's what's been said. And realistically, I just don't know how he would be able to do both, which I would love to see him try. But being an NFL quarterback, you can't really you know, spend your off seasons 
playing Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball, whatever level of baseball, uh, just because of how much preparation goes, especially during the week. It's not like he could just miss two or three practices to go play a, a couple games and then you know come back for Sunday. So uh, realistically, with him doing NFL draft, I think it absolutely makes sense that he should declare and at least see how things are looking. Because if he's going to be a first-round pick, you, you nailed it with the, the rookie contract. Baker Mayfield was just given four years, $32 million as the, the number one overall pick. And uh, it, he had that $4.66 million as a, a signing bonus from the A's. But the average minor leaguer makes $1,100 a month. So he's barely going to be making any more than that in the next three, four years up until he gets in the majors. And then from there to have you know, six years of service time before he reaches free agency, he'll have a few years of arbitration, uh, but he's not going to be making the kind of money that he can be making right away in football. And even like looking down, so Lamar Jackson, the 32nd overall pick, four years, $9 million, still more than baseball. And even if you were to go on Friday, um, I, I just looked up Mason Rudolph, Steelers quarterback, 76th overall pick in the third round, four years, $4 million. So a little less than uh, what he would be making from his baseball signing bonus, but still enough that if football is his first love, why not give it a shot? And I, I can't imagine him falling to the third round just with how many teams are desperate for a quarterback anyway. So I absolutely think Kyler Murray is making the right decision by going out there and seeing if he actually is a first-round pick. His you know, the Cardinals coach, Cliff Kingsbury, said he would pick him number one if he had the chance. Well, now he does. And if he passes on him, I can't imagine him falling that much further. I um, Yeah, and I do want to clarify, I think that he should do the NFL and figure out if he can or can't hang. And if he can't, mm-hmm. then baseball is the backup plan. Yep, but it's, yep I, I agree with that. Because if he can hang, he should just stick with it. Um, and, you know, do it for as long as he can and hope that he doesn't have to pay for it for a lifetime with some sort of sick, Mm -hmm. grueling injury. But I don't know. You can still get injured playing baseball. You can get injured playing any sport. Oh, Uh, yeah. Really, the only thing is brain injury specifically is a reason to avoid the NFL because baseball players, they they get hurt all the time. Uh, He's not a pitcher, so there's a little less risk there of the the elbow injuries that could sideline him for a year or longer. But you know, the, the injury risk is still there in baseball and it's, there's no guarantee that a top 10 baseball pick is going to make it to the majors. There's a guarantee that a top 10 NFL pick is at least going to get a shot to be a starting quarterback and given all the chances he can receive. So to me, it's, it's an easy decision. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about the financial stuff. I did, did write down some numbers just, just cause I was curious. So, so Mookie Betts, he won the America League MVP, Boston Red Sox outfielder. They drafted him in 2011. He made his Major League debut in 2014. And now in 2019, through arbitration, uh, he well, he avoided arbitration, and he and the Red Sox agreed that he'd be making $20 million in the 2019 season, and he's set to be a free agent after the 2021 season. Jameis Winston he was the number one overall pick in 2015 when he was drafted and then made his NFL debut the same season because that's how it works in the NFL. There's no minor leagues. $20.9 million in 2019, almost a million dollars more on that fifth-year option that Kyler Murray could get as a first-round pick. He's going to be a free agent after this year at 25 years old. Betts won't be a free agent until he's like 27, 28. And... 
Winston is a guy who the team he's on isn't even sure if they're going to commit to him long term. So just looking at it from a financial perspective in the short term, it absolutely makes sense that Murray should give the NFL a shot and see where it goes. That's money well earned by Jameis Winston, by the way. I, you, you, you can't really name a better investment than Jameis Winston. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, actually. It's, it's a really tough call. Every other week, I feel, like, I feel like the other one is the better investment. For some reason, I always switch on which one I think is the better quarterback. That's because each week, one of them will throw four interceptions, and then the other one will come in and throw three touchdowns and tie the game. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're the starter, and then all of a sudden, it's the other guy. Uh, and the, but it's good for the fantasy players. Mike Evans was a beast. Yeah, Winston was just the example I used because he was the number one overall pick, and he does have that fifth-year option this year. Marcus Mariota, who went number two, is very similar numbers. Uh, and even going down the line, like I said, he can go anywhere in the first round, and he could still make double what he would make uh, playing baseball. So financial perspective, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, look at John Carlos Stanton making $325 million, but the odds of Kyler Murray becoming the next John Carlos Stanton are very, very slim because the odds of him making it to the majors aren't very great to begin with. So to me, absolutely, give the NFL draft a shot, see how things go, give the NFL a shot, see how things go, and you know maybe fall back on baseball down the road if, if things aren't working out like you want them to. So let's move on now to our next segment, and that is goodbye, old friend. So we introduced this one last week uh, when we talked about Tom Thibodeau, who was fired by the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this week, we have a little different uh, person that we're saying goodbye to, is it's not someone who was fired, but it was someone who is retiring, and that is former Columbus Blue Jackets, New York Rangers, and Boston Bruins winger Rick Nash who was forced to end his NFL career short at just the age of 34 due to concussion-related symptoms. And Nash is a guy who, uh, he's been in the league for, uh, I think, 16 years, and uh, he retired as a third leading scorer among active players, more than 1,000 career games, 437 goals, 368 assists, 805 points, uh, he was the first overall pick by the Blue Jackets in 2002 and won Rookie of the Year. Was the leading goal scorer in the NHL in his second season. He's a guy who had a remarkable career. And this isn't a case of a guy who just got burnt out. He was still playing really well for the Bruins last year. I know that, well, more for the Rangers. The Bruins, he had that, that concussion, those injuries. But, Brian, I know that uh, you're a big hockey fan, and I'm sure that you can say that Rick Nash would still be welcome in this league if he didn't choose to retire for his health uh yeah no i i definitely agree with that i just i think i think with rick nash as the number one overall pick like he did have a great career um he was slightly a little bit of an underachiever but at the same time um columbus didn't really provide him much help like i mean crosby has malkin and uh patrick kane has jonathan jonathan taves and Ovechkin has Backstrom and so on, but Rick Nash didn't really have as much help as he really could have had with Columbus. If, if only he was playing with them now with Cam Atkinson and uh, Artemi Panarin and all these, all those other guys. And um, then with the Rangers, he was, you know, led, led the Rangers to uh, a Stanley Cup appearance uh, years back where they lost to the Kings. And, 
and then when they traded for him, uh, when the Bruins got him uh, last year for uh, the package that they got him for, I understood the deal, um, given the fact that the Bruins were really on a roll last year uh, entering the playoffs. Um, and even though the Bergeron-Marchand-Posternock line was one of the best in the entire league, um, they really didn't have really didn't have much uh, secondary scoring last year. So trading for Rick Nash at the time did make sense. Um, but unfortunately, um, the Bruins weren't able to get past the second round after they lost 4-1 to to Tampa. But yeah, like someone that's as good as he is, or as, as he's been, um, and only 34 and deciding to retire um, is definitely a little bit of a shock. I was certainly surprised to hear that because I remember at the beginning of the season uh, reading that Rick Nash was likely going to wait until uh, later in the year after the All-Star break before uh, deciding to start playing this season and signing with the team because you know he had that injury. He wanted to wait until he was healthy. He knew he couldn't give it a full 82 games. Uh, but I, I didn't expect him to just hang it up like this midseason. And it's unfortunate the reason why. Uh, he, like you said, he was a player. I, I wouldn't necessarily say he underachieved. He was a great player statistically. Uh, the Blue Jackets were never that great of a team, but he did help them lead uh, to their first Stanley Cup playoffs appearance, did play in a Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, definitely a great career for Rick Nash. He was he was always one of my favorite players to use on Backyard Hockey 2005. <laughs> um, Jerome Aginlow so, is my guy in that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are some fun ones. There are a lot of guys who I like never heard of because I was never a big NHL fan that I learned through that game, and Rick Nash was one of them, but he, he was always one of my favorite players to have on my team, and uh, this brings to light more of the, the concussion issues that we see going on in sports, and the NHL is certainly not susceptible to them. Uh, so one thing I actually didn't know was there was a settlement between 318 former players and the league. Um, just in November, a couple months ago, and that was a $19 million settlement, but the league did not have to admit any liability. Uh, the league is steadfast in saying that hockey is not a cause for uh, the brain damage, the CTE, the all the, the concussion stuff that we've been hearing about from the NFL for years. Uh, and I think the NHL, due to maybe it's, it's lower popularity, it doesn't get brought up as much, but you certainly have plenty of guys taking big hits to the head and missing a lot of time because of that. Yeah, do they also not take, they're like, playing hockey does not cause your teeth to fall out. Like, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that, that's there's definitely plenty of reason to believe that that's not the case. Um, I don't know what is more um, likely to give you a concussion playing football or playing hockey. Uh, there's not, not a whole lot of studies and statistics out there on hockey, uh, at least compared to football. But to me, I would think of the, the major sports, those have got to be one and two. Yeah, it has to be given the, given the physicality in both sports. Yeah, and we always hear about uh, hockey toughness. And when, when you're talking about uh, concussions and brain injuries, that, that's certainly a case where there, there's only so tough you can be and so tough that you want guys to be. So, Rick Nash, 34 years old, uh, great career that 
was cut a little bit short due to concussion-related symptoms, and we wish you a happy retirement. And to you we say... Goodbye, old friend. All right, so let's move on to our next segment, and that is WikiGeeks. So we are doing this one for the second time now. And earlier this week, Ben's Oklahoma City Thunder announced that they would retire Nick Collison's number four, be the first Thunder number sent up into the rafters at uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena. So that got us thinking, why don't we learn a little bit more about Nick Collison? Because he certainly is not being honored because of his contributions on the court. He was always the the, uh, the 12th man, the locker room guy, the, the, uh, the guy who came over from Seattle to Oklahoma City and just never left the franchise. All the players loved him, um, particularly Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So who is Nick Collison? Well, uh, I guess his Wikipedia page, this, this might be the shortest Wikipedia page of any um, NBA player to be to have their number retired by a team. <laughs> it is concise. I don't know. There yes, are a lot sir. of numbers retired by the Boston Celtics that I've never heard of. <laughs> yes, but uh, I, I, we can maybe look through some of those old time players. But uh, to me, there, there's not not a whole lot on here. So I guess let's start from the top. So he was drafted by the Supersonics well, well, in the first. Well, hold on. Ooh, Let, yeah, I want sure. something. I want to put. Okay, that when you say top top of the Wikipedia article, but I do want to point out that on here they talk about his college career which comes before his professional yes. career and i thought it was interesting because he is uh his number four jersey is also retired for the kansas jayhawks because he had such a spectacular four-year college career yeah and that, that's definitely not something that uh oh, so you're saying we see so, but so yeah. you're saying he did not go to kentucky <laughs> Yeah, well, he didn't just go straight to the NBA. Couldn't you go straight to the NBA back then? He could, he could. Um, but only, well, so I think that's one thing a lot of people make a big deal about, but it's there's only there were only a handful of guys who actually did that, that just totally skipped college and right out of high school. So, uh, but yeah, playing four years, that's that's not necessarily something that you, you come accustomed to now. There's, there's always uh, a handful of seniors that go in the NBA draft, but... Uh, Nick Collison was he was one of them that year in 2003 when the Supersonics drafted him with the 12th overall pick. Um, so it, it, he's he's from Orange City, Iowa, and he actually played there with uh, a, another Iowa resident, Kirk Heinrich, who wound up being the seventh overall pick in the draft that year to the Chicago Bulls. So the you know, Collison was a big part of back-to-back Final Four teams with Kansas in 2002 and 2003. And 2003, his Jayhawks lost to Carmelo Anthony and the Syracuse Orange in the national championship game. So uh, his, his honors did lead to his number four jersey being retired by the team just months after he was drafted into the NBA. So... I guess let's let's move on to his uh, professional career. So, of course, starting out with the Seattle Supersonics before they relocated to Oklahoma City. Um, he actually missed the entire 2003-04 season with an injury. So uh, he had a chance to be the... Uh, what what is now the um, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons and Blake Griffin uh, winning Rookie of the Year 
the year after he was drafted, uh, after missing that first season. But that didn't happen for him. Uh, he did appear in all 82 games, but only a few starts, 5.6 points, 4.6 rebounds, 17 minutes per game. Um, Which is all, that's a quality first round pick, even though his rookie year came a year later. Um, by the way, while we're talking about that, Ben Simmons also my rookie of the year pick for this year as well. He's been amazing. <laughs> you know what's funny? When Blake Griffin won uh, rookie of the year, uh, Norm McDonald came to his, his press conference and said, You know, Blake, uh, no one's ever repeated rookie of the year. Do you think, uh, <laughs> do you think that's something you can accomplish next year? <laughs> uh, dude, Norm McDonald's hilarious. All right, so for Collison, uh, he played 82 games in all, or both of his first, uh, nope, never mind, that's a lie. He played 82 games again in 2006-07, so a little bit of gap. Um, And he had a a career-best game, 29 points, 21 rebounds against the Phoenix Suns on January 9, 2007. It was a loss, uh, but there there you go, a solid 2020 game. It was uh, like Kevin Love does most nights. Collison is one of those, his name. Nice, back in 07, a good year. Yeah. Yep, uh, 2008, the when they relocated, <laughs> so the the franchise relocated to Oklahoma City and rebranded as the Thunder. Let's fast forward now to 2012 <laughs> when he helped that Thunder team reach the NBA Finals. And how did he do that? Well, uh, in the regular season that year, he played 63 games, zero starts, 20.7 minutes off the bench, four and a half points per game, uh, four and a half rebounds per game. So. I don't know how much he helped that team in the playoffs. He did play 20 games. He's a locker room presence. Yeah, he Corey. probably boosted yeah. the morale he, on right. the bench. Cause, cause he's all about the morale. Westbrook, yeah. he, just since I've <laughs> been here, because um, I witnessed Collison's final season, uh, Westbrook uh, was always about his guy, Nick. And he even uh, had, like, d- I think it was halftime or like before like at one of the games was russell westbrook i think it was after the game he like got a microphone and like talked about like how much nick collison's presence into his entire career has meant to him uh so he does have wasn't that the last game of the season when he like officially clinched the triple double average again might have been yeah it was last yeah season. I, I do remember that yeah and he uh which at the time i was like <laughs> who <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh it seemed to mean a lot to him and apparently also kevin durant uh th- another thing i do yeah. want to point out though as far as like uh nick collison like if you're a really big basketball fan it would be cool to live nick collison's life like he's been to the big dance in both of like the major basketball competitions like he went to the college finals and the nba finals unfortunately didn't win win any of them but uh, to actually like go there, so plenty of guys don't go at all. Um, so to have that chance, I think is pretty cool. For anyone who yeah, hasn't I seen mean, the video of Stephen Adams and Nick Collison's handshake, go on YouTube right now and look it up. <laughs> it's the best handshake um, of all time in the NBA. I haven't seen it, but I'll have to check that one out later. I won't give any um, details away. <laughs> Yeah, so I always knew that Collison was like a great, great morale guy. Uh, he's a guy I remember him from NBA Live 2005 and 2006, back when you know they were still the Sonics, and he was more or less a starter for that team. Um, 
but by the end of his career, he was just that bench morale guy. He made some money, two years, $7.5 million in uh, 2015, signed an extension, uh, and then re-upped before the 2017-18 season, just a one-year minimum salary deal to remain with the Thunder um, when he announced his retirement at the end of the season. So that number four jersey going up into the rafters. Now, I think they they don't have the date on here, but I'm pretty sure it's going up in March. So personal life, uh, after the Sonics relocated to Oklahoma City, Collison continued to make his home in Seattle. Have you, have you guys been to Seattle? I think I've been to the airport. I was just about to say the same thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've never been. Uh, not really a city that interests me all that much, but I know some people absolutely love it out there. So I guess Collison's one of those guys because the the Sonics became the Thunder in 2008, and uh, he still lived there even after playing Oklahoma City for 10 years. So Ben, hot seat, Oklahoma City. Hot seat? I'm on the hot seat? No, the city's on the hot seat because Collison didn't want to live there. Oh, well... When you're making millions of dollars, I don't necessarily blame you for living somewhere else in the off season. Uh, but I would say right now is the best time of like in history to live in Oklahoma City. Uh, part of the team coming here was like really improving the whole lifestyle in Oklahoma City. Not just because you can go to pro sports, but also because it is a big attraction that makes people want to move here. In fact, the Thunder were a big reason why I wanted to go here, uh, because I was such a big fan of Russell Westbrook. So uh, the the entire city has been growing basically at an accelerated pace ever since the Thunder showed up. And Nick Collison, I'm sure, played a, a, a role in that, you know, helping with develop the culture. Yeah, he he kept Westbrook in Oklahoma City all these years. So, although people from Seattle will never stop being salty about the Thunder leaving until they get their own team, because I I know <laughs> plenty of people from Washington and fr- like actually from Seattle, and they always bring that up. They're like, they're not your team; they're our team. And it's like, well, no, that's not true yeah. anymore. We've had them for a decade. Um, but also, if I ever were like if. I'm I'm with you. I don't really know if I would want to go to Seattle per se, but I do hear that they have like this really, uh, really good local coffee place called Starbucks, and uh, so that might be a reason to, to fly up there just to have a cup. Uh, I I knew you were about to say that. <laughs> I honestly thought about bringing it up too, but I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so just just wrapping things up. Uh, he has a daughter named Emma. And a younger brother, Michael, who played college basketball for their father's alma mater, Briarcliff University in Sioux City, Iowa. So it uh, looks like Nick was the, the slightly better basketball player, but both of them did play collegiately. So uh, that's literally the entire Wikipedia page for Nick Collison. It's uh, not a very long one, like we said, but I think we all learned something here. So... Uh, Nick, congratulations on having your number retired. Or, yeah, your number retired. Enjoy the remainder of your retirement. And now before uh, we close things up, we are going to end things with our top five like we normally do. So next week we have Martin Luther King Jr. Day coming up. That is a U.S. holiday, Monday, January 21st. So... Uh, In honor of Dr. King, who gave his famous I Have a Dream speech in Washington on August 1963, 
we will count down our favorite dream-related things in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so I'll mix things up and I'll start things off because I feel like I usually don't. Uh, And my number five is Field of Dreams, a great Kevin Costner baseball movie, one of a few out there. And I've always been really intrigued by the uh, Black Sox scandal uh, from the 1919 World Series coming up on its 100th year anniversary later this year. So to me, Field of Dreams, uh, one one of the great baseball movies that uh, does a great job of relating some one of the bigger historical moments in the sports history of course something that that changed the the game so much uh, when when betters were able to fix the world series so uh, that's that plays a key role shoeless joe jackson um, and to me uh, ray can sell in his farm if you build it he will he will come field of dreams number five Number four is Dream On by Aerosmith. Um, I was a little hesitant to put this on my <laughs> list. Uh, that's someone you'll, you'll see it's a, a common one here, but I couldn't help myself. Uh, I think Aerosmith is a, a great older band, um, and uh, despite all of their music being written, I believe before I was born, maybe maybe some into the, the early late 1990s when I was a very young kid but I I always love Aerosmith and Dream On is definitely my favorite song by them so that one comes in at number four number three is another song and that is Sweet Dreams by The Arrhythmics uh, definitely a fan of their version much more than the Marilyn Manson cover that came out later uh, so just that that opening beat uh, when it when it starts out, just uh, really really always gets me going. Uh, huge fan of that one. At number two, I have the American Dream, the promise that uh, you can come to America from another country, whether you're you're escaping uh, a a unruly nation, uh, just looking for a land of opportunity, a, a new life, and you have the chance to make something of yourself. And that's something that this country was kind of built on with all the Ellis Island immigration going back to the, the 1800s into the, the 20th century. And uh, to me, the, the American dream, that, that's what brought my, my uh, forefathers here. Um, and I uh, had to include that on my list. And then at number one, that is The Impossible Dream, the 1967 Boston Red Sox. Uh, Rico Petroselli wrote a book. He actually wrote two books on this. The second one I read, um, Tales from the 1967 Red Sox, uh, it was a 50th anniversary edition. It's a collection uh, of things that, that went on in that dugout. And uh, I learned so much about that Red Sox team. I had always known that the 1967 Red Sox were this great team. Carl Yastrzemski, Triple Crown. He was the last winner until 2012 when Miguel Carrera did it. But that Red Sox team that lost to the Cardinals in the World Series, but they still saved baseball in Boston, more or less, because that team was, they were known as the the clubhouse Red Sox. Uh, they're just the, the easygoing lifestyle, or country club Red Sox, yeah, the the easygoing lifestyle of you know, golfing and uh, drinking in the, the dugout or at least in the clubhouse. And um, the the owners were, were threatening to move that team, but the that 1967 team 
they got fans excited about the Red Sox and we wouldn't have the teams that broke the curse in 2004 and ultimately won the World Series in 2018 without that 67 Red Sox team. So for me, they're number one. That's uh, that's something I've never even heard of. The impossible dream. Yeah, it's a it's a fun fun name. Like there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways you can describe some of those dream teams, but I love the the impossible dream because that was something that was that was impossible. It wasn't supposed to happen, and the Red Sox they won the pennant. I so. like that as a number one choice for for this uh, top five, and I will go second. Um, for my number five, I went with. Uh, you Make My Dreams from uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Um, I'm I'm definitely a fan of that song, and it's definitely one of my favorites from um, Hall and Oates. And it's up there with Man Eater and, and Rich Girl. Um, also, looking on the Wikipedia page for that song, I found out that it is the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, song uh, they use after every goal, which is something uh, definitely... Definitely... Uh, a fun fact um, that I liked for You Make My Dreams. Uh, for number four, I went with uh, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon, um, one of the best basketball players of all time, of course, and uh, was was great with the H- University of Houston and the Houston Rockets. And um, and one of my f- favorite uh, pastime uh, players, Clyde Drexler, was able to uh, not only play with uh, Hakeem the Dream at uh, the University of Houston, but also um, uh, helped win a championship uh, for the Houston Rockets um, during the early 90s when Michael Jordan was um, off playing baseball instead of instead of basketball. And Yeah, yeah I, I love that reference because uh, Hakeem Olajuwon went number one overall in the 1983 mm-hmm. draft, 84, whatever. Um, and yet number two, the the Trailblazers took Sam Bowie because they had Clyde Drexler already. <laughs> so that allowed the Bulls to take Michael Jordan. Yeah, that, so. that might have, uh, that's a little bit of a regret there from the Blazers. Michael yeah. who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what was that What was that other pick that they messed up on? Uh, was it, they took Greg Oden instead of, Greg um, Oden. what's his name? What's Over his name? Kevin, Kevin, Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good too. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so that's for that's my number four and number three. I went with uh, the Shia LaBeouf uh, dream speech. If anyone who does not uh, know of that speech, YouTube it. Do it. Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> Make your dreams come true. <laughs> it get that speech motivates me every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're having a bad day, look up that speech. <laughs> Nothing motivates me more than that speech. Um. And if you think if you guys think my sports takes are terrible, I think this might be my worst take ever. Uh, if you take uh, if you replace Martin Luther King Jr. with Shia LaBeouf and you put him up there <laughs> and uses that speech, I think we'd be sh- celebrating Shia LaBeouf LaBeouf Day this Monday, <laughs> this upcoming Monday. I think um, I think I saw a vine of that, like where somebody like photoshopped. Oh, there there, there are, yeah, seconds. there are hundreds of vines of that yeah. video. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Shia LaBeouf, one of the most underrated human beings on earth. That's, that's just my thoughts on that. So that's my number three. Uh, my number two, I went with, uh, the movie, The Rookie starring Dennis Quaid. And if you're wondering why is that related to, um, this top five, um, in the movie, 
Uh, Dennis Quaid stars as uh, Jim Morris, who is a high school science teacher who coaches uh, the baseball team at the school. And there was one day where uh, he wanted to motivate his players, um, not only on the field, but um, uh, accomplishing dreams after they're done high school. And the players decided to turn around on him saying like, coach, you, you know, you have all this talent, um, you know, with how fast you throw. And they, they made a deal saying if, if we win district, uh, you have to go out for this tryout. And because they won district, he went out for the tryout to um, try out for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays uh, minor league system. And not only did he make uh, a spot on a minor league roster, he eventually uh, uh, accomplished his dream of playing professional baseball. And so I had that as my number two. It's pretty cool. It's another great baseball Yeah, it's movie. definitely, it's one of my yeah. favorite baseball. It's either that or Major League. Uh, those are two of my, yeah, I know. two. Com- <laughs> Both based on yeah. two stories. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went with that as my number two. And my number one, I went with, uh, Corey mentioned this before in his top five. I went with Dream On by Aerosmith. Um, besides uh, Eminem's uh, Till I Collapse, where it goes, uh, Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac and Biggie, Andre from Outkast, Jada Karabnas and then me. <laughs> uh, besides that song, I don't think there was a song that motivated me more before sporting events. Um, uh, Corey, I know you played basketball yeah. and, and did track as well. And uh, I always listen to uh, Dream On and a couple other motivational songs before any baseball game, any basketball game, or in other track track events as well. So, um, Dream On by Aerosmith is my number one. Never really thought of it as like a pre sports motivational song, but I I can see that. Yeah, I don't think now it. That, I don't think it was that. meant. That was its intention, but I I that's what <laughs> I used it for. Oh yeah, and I I agree with that as your number one, as you will see as I get into my list. Uh, so with my number five, I'm gonna start with "In My Dreams" by Kid Cudi, and this one's my number five because I think it's a little more niche. Uh, it's definitely not one of Kid Cudi's biggest songs, but it is the first song on his album "Man on the Moon," which is probably his most iconic album because it contains the song "Day and Night," which everybody knows that song by Kid Cudi, uh, but. Personally, I think the whole album is Fuego from front to back, and it's uh, and so is Man on the Moon too. Two of my favorite albums by Kid Cudi. Uh, so I just basically he talks about dreams a lot. I went and found <laughs> one of his tracks that has the word dreams in the title, and it was the first <laughs> song on Man on the Moon. So I like that a lot. Kid Cudi's amazing, and I uh, actually have been listening to him a lot since I saw that this was our topic. Um, moving on to my number four, I picked another uh, member of the hip hop community. Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares, uh, which was pro- it's probably my favorite album by Meek Mill. He dropped this album back when you know we were in high school, and Meek Mill was still unironically cool, like at before Drake murdered him with memes. Um, so, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> yeah. I uh, the album resurfaced last season when the Eagles were making their run to the Super Bowl because they're repping the first song on the album, which is actually called Dreams and Nightmares, uh, which has this amazing drop. And they played that when they ran onto the field at the Super Bowl, which was super amazing. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I can definitely respect 
making that choice um in fact i like this album so much i went to walmart and bought the physical copy like me and my boys like went to walmart and we were like we're representing meek mill you know we're supporting our art like this artist but walmart only had the clean version so we went back and returned them (laughs) 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 then we downloaded it on itunes Like okay. we walked out there, we were like, "Yeah, yeah!" Like taking photos of each other and stuff, and we we're like, "Wait, these are the clean versions." Wow. <laughs> Which, if you listen to the album, listening to the clean version makes no sense at all. So uh, we went and downloaded it on iTunes. Uh, but yeah, that was nice. It, what so did you see the video of uh, the Saints players celebrating in the locker room after the game, dancing to "Dreams and Nightmares"? I didn't. I saw they had ski masks. I saw on, they had or, ski masks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they're playing Dreams and Nightmares. Nice. I don't know. It's it's pretty hard to ruin that song for Eagles fans just considering they won the Super Bowl that yeah. year, but um but you know that that especially Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram love to troll their uh opposition. So, uh yeah, so Dreams and Nightmares is my number 4. Moving on, no surprise here, my number 3 is Dream On by Aerosmith. I think we've said it all at this point. I will just mention that they played this at the concert I went to in Atlanta for Aerosmith, and that was my first ever concert, and it absolutely blew me away how these oldsters could still rock out so hard. So, uh Dream On number 3. My number so two. Fun, quick fun fact about Aerosmith. They're, so they're from Boston. I think Steven Tyler actually lived in Nashua at what? one point. Yeah, he was yeah. at the Hayward's ice cream place, uh, the local ice cream place in Nashua. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Not a bad uh, celebrity to have from your uh, from your hometown. Um, okay, yeah, moving on to my number two. I picked the 2012 Dream Team. And... Um, I don't know. You guys are definitely way more into basketball history than me. In fact, I didn't even appreciate this team while it was happening. I retroactively found out about this team because in 2012, I didn't really care about basketball, especially not the Olympics. So I wasn't really paying attention. But in retrospect, this team is absolutely amazing. Uh, And I went back and watched a bunch of their games because they were like on on YouTube and other websites. But Tyson Chandler, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Deron Williams, Andre Iguodala, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Love, James Harden, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, all coached by Coach K, dude. Like, just, that's that literally is the dream team, though. Like, one of my favorite things about basketball is that it's so safe to play that you can play these non-league games and still go hard. You can see this all-star team playing together against actual opposition not like football where unless you're literally playing a regular season nfl game you're literally not going to try at all because why would you risk the injury so i thought that was really cool just a couple of fun facts the preliminary round which i guess is like the group stage of the olympic basketball tournament this team went 5-0 and with a plus 191 point differential just absolute like complete domination lebron james became the only other player in basketball history the other player is michael jordan to win regular season mvp finals mvp nba champion uh and olympic gold all in the same year uh which spoiler alert this dream team won <laughs> the whole thing yeah. uh they, they oh, beat, <laughs> yeah they beat spain 107 to 100 uh, to win the gold. And a lot of people were surprised at how close the game ended up being. Uh, at halftime, Spain was only down by one. But, of course, the Dream Team took care of business, and uh, they looked awesome while doing it. You know, reading so, off that roster, uh, I'm looking at the 1992 one right now. 
I'm looking at the 92 yeah. one as well. David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, Michael uh, Michael Jordan. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Chris Mullen, and uh, Magic Johnson, and Charles Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Pretty good yeah, roster. Was, the 92 Dream Team was the original one. That was the, the first... first uh, I think that they allowed professional supply. And then the and, and then, then the Eagles uh, had their dream team as well, where they had um, <laughs> Michael Vick, and Vince Young, and Nandi yeah. Asamoa. Yeah, that 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 dream team was oh pretty good gosh. as well. Yeah, Nandi Asamoa. <laughs> but um, right, which is why I um I wanted to qualify this with the fact that I didn't even know about this dream team when it happened. I definitely couldn't appreciate the '92 as much as someone who actually you know knows those players better. Obviously, the name recognition, but uh, like. I think I was introduced to Patrick Ewing when uh, he was on the Snickers commercials when I was a kid. I think, I think the, that was first, the first time I heard about. I think him. the first time I ever heard about Patrick Ewing was when I watched Space Jam, and all of a sudden, uh, the Monstars or the, they they <laughs> oh, took okay. all of his uh, <laughs> they took all of his athletic abilities abilities away from him during that game. You're right. That that's definitely the first time I heard of Patrick <laughs> Ewing. But the second time was when I saw him. You guys remember those commercials where it was the it was like get dunked on by Patrick Ewing. It was just like a dude walking across like a, a street basketball court and he like opens a Snickers and he looks up. He's like, Patrick? And then Patrick Ewing's like, what's up, Ryan? And he like dunks on him and he like falls down and they're like, get dunked on by Patrick Chewing. <laughs> Great marketing. It's still seared into my brain. Um, so yeah, number two. 2012 dream team and i'll wrap it up with another one we've heard today already the american dream uh which is was the first thing i thought of when we said we we're gonna do a segment on dreams because i think this one's so important we have the ability to even sit down and record this podcast because we live in america where if you work hard uh, there's a we have a culture of upward social mobility and you can do whatever you want as long as you set your mind to it so i uh i really like that idea and i feel so lucky to be uh already here i don't even have to find a way to get into this country i was uh, lucky enough to be born here and uh so i want to take full advantage of the american dream my number one dream on my top five dreams is a great number one choice. I thought about putting it number one, but uh, I, I definitely respect you putting it as your number one. I uh, I have a cubicle at work, and I have a little American flag that I have pinned to the top of it. So you gotta, nice. you know, I salute it on my way in. Yeah, I thought about putting it up in my top five as well, but I thought Shia LaBeouf was a little bit more important. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's all we have for you today. As a reminder, uh, please subscribe. Uh, give us a follow on our Twitter account at He's Done It Pod. Share, you know, do do what you gotta do to help spread the word. And um, yeah, if you're if you're a real one, definitely go on our iTunes and write a review. Write anything you want. Yes, yeah, review would be that great. would be. It helps us so much. You have no idea how much that helps us to find uh, a larger audience. So, obviously, if you're listening this far, you're a fan of the podcast. Give us a review. That is that's more. That would be more helpful than giving us literal money. Okay, so go and write us a review if you're listening to this right now. I think Please. I'd rather have the money instead. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Being said, we won't turn down the money, <laughs> but. All right. Do you guys have anything to leave our listeners? Give us, with? give us a review and give us your money. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.